This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. Two French saints. A pair of meditations by Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira. One of the marvels of the Catholic Church is the variety of people who are listed among its heroes. Of course, within the Church, we call those heroes saints. The saints that will be described here are two very different people. One was a great 13th century king, the other a poor 19th century girl. They are united by two facts. Both are French, and more important, both shared a great faith. The first saint is Louis IX. Professor Correa de Oliveira spoke of him in a lecture in 1965. The second is Saint Bernadette. That lecture was given in 1967. Both have been translated from Portuguese and adapted without his revision. Now, Saint Louis IX was both a man of peace and a warrior by Plinio Correa de Oliveira. August 25th is the feast of Saint Louis, King of France, a model of Catholic statesmen who participated in two crusades. Dom Prosper Guéranger, 1805-1875, made some excellent commentaries about Saint Louis. From the pen of this great Catholic writer, one of the most important churchmen of his time, we see a series of considerations entirely in line with a counter-revolutionary viewpoint. To begin his commentary, Dom Guéranger poses a complex problem. A saint must be humble. How can a king, who is at the top of the political and social hierarchy, be humble? Shouldn't a humble person in authority look like a Marxist Cuban president? How do you reconcile the two conditions of being holy and humble? Dom Guéranger says, quote, The humility of holy kings is not forgetfulness of the great office they fulfill in God's name. Their abnegation could not consist in giving up rights, which are also duties, any more than charity could cast out justice, or love of peace could oppose the virtue of the warrior, unquote. As you see, Dom Guéranger is fighting against the sentimental idea of a holy king. This notion holds that humility would make a king unworthy of his office. A humble king would have to exercise mercy to the point that it would prevent him from administering justice. He would have to be such a peaceful man that he would be incapable of waging war. Dom Guéranger says that a holy king is the opposite. He practices humility but also displays grandeur. He practices charity but does so with much justice. On the other hand, he has a love of peace but also possesses authentic warrior virtues. This is the opposite of the sentimental notion of a holy king. He continues to explain what he means, quote, St. Louis, without his army, felt himself superior as a Christian to the victorious infidels and treated them accordingly. In other words, when he became a prisoner of the infidels after their victory over him in battle, he always dealt with them fully aware of his dignity as a baptized person. Moreover, the West discovered very early, and more and more as his sanctity increased with his years, that this king who spent his nights in prayer and his days in serving the poor was not the man to yield to anyone the prerogatives of the crown. He was therefore a man who pitied the poor and knew how to pray, yet was also a combative man who defends his prerogatives, unquote. 
How energetic he was in defending his rights is clear from an episode for which he became famous. Frederick II, the evil and heretical emperor of the Holy Empire, threatened to crush the church and looked for accomplices in France. St. Louis answered him thus, quote, The kingdom of France is not so weak as to suffer itself to be driven by your spurs, unquote. His lofty answer was proper to a saint. This is interesting, because we must always react against the tendency to consider saints and piety in general from an overly sentimental viewpoint. End of St. Louis IX was both a man of peace and a warrior. From this great man of action, we turn to a humble girl from the lowest level of society, St. Bernadette Subaru, as we present the very special mission of St. Bernadette, the seer at Lourdes, by Plinio Correa de Oliveira. February the 11th is the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes. Let us read some facts about the devotion of the seer at Lourdes, St. Bernadette, to Our Lady. In his biography, St. Bernadette Soubérou, 1844-1879, author Monsignor Francois Trochoux writes, quote, Her devotion to the Blessed Virgin was bound to be particularly tender, particularly childlike. Mary her living ideal, was in her heart very close to our Lord, as Sister Duray, her neighbor in the infirmary, witnessed. You should have heard her say the Hail Mary. What devotion there was in her voice, especially when she pronounced the words, Poor sinners. When someone boldly asked her if the image of the apparition was not fading gradually from her memory, she exclaimed disapprovingly, Forget her? No, never. And with a forceful gesture, she put her right hand to her forehead, saying, It's there! One of her companions suggested, You should paint a picture of the Blessed Virgin for us, for you know what she is like. I can't. I don't know how, she had to answer. For me, there is no need. I have it in my heart. Devotion to Our Lady filled her whole life. What need had she to meditate on the Blessed Virgin? She saw Mary again in everything and everywhere, with her heart and her memory. Whenever she was praying to the Blessed Virgin, said Sister Gonzague Champy, it seemed as though she still saw her. If someone asked her to obtain some favor, she used to say straight away that she would speak to Our Lady about it. One day on the Feast of the Assumption, Mother Fabre chanced to be kneeling in a chapel a short distance from Sister Marie Bernard, in such a position as to be able to observe her closely. At the words of the hymn, I see that she is my mother, I saw her give a start and almost leap for joy. As for her rosary, she must have said her beads for all the rest of her life just as she did at Lourdes. The rosary was her favorite prayer, said a superior general. Often in the infirmary, Sister Champy said the Hail Marys alternately with her. On such occasions, the sister recalls, Bernadette's dark, deep-set, sparkling eyes became heavenly. She was seeing Our Lady in spirit and looked as though she were in ecstasy. At night, when you retire to rest, she recommended to a companion, take your beads off and go to sleep while saying them. Do the same as little children who fall asleep saying, Mama, Mama. Unquote. These facts about St. Bernadette clearly show her ardent devotion to Our Lady. However, there was a curious thing about St. Bernadette's life. 
While it is proven that she had a great devotion to Our Lady, she expressed this devotion only very little. In other words, she did not provide any new facts, reflections, or enrichment of Mariology. She introduced no new way of devotion that could give new impetus for a greater veneration of Our Lady. She was very devout, as can be seen in the selection above, but there was nothing exceptional about her devotion to Our Lady. Indeed, St. Bernadette had a devotion very similar to that of Lucia of Fatima. Her vocation was to reveal the Lord's apparitions to the world. Having accomplished this task, she honored the apparitions by becoming a nun. The Church later canonized her. The Church does not require that the faithful believe in the apparition of Lourdes because they are of a private nature. In matters involving supernatural facts, we must only believe in official facts, not private ones. However, denying the Lourdes apparitions borders on heresy because it cannot be admitted that a saint canonized by the Church could have such illusions. The life and holiness of St. Bernadette somehow attest to the authenticity of the Lord's apparitions. The miracles wrought afterward also abundantly bear testimony by proving that grace indeed works wonders in Lourdes. During the apparitions, the people did not see Our Lady, but saw that St. Bernadette Subaru spoke to a person that no one else saw. That invisible person told her to dig with her hand in a particular spot, and a spring would appear. No one imagined water might be found in this place. However, the young peasant girl put her hand directly into the earth, and everyone saw the water well up. The spring of Lourdes appeared. Thus, she prophesied that a spring would marvelously appear, and it would cause many cures, which indeed happened. Both things are miraculous. Furthermore, St. Bernadette's holy life attributed not only to the authenticity of her visions and the miraculous events in Lourdes, but also to her mental equilibrium. Beyond this testimony, however, she did not have a public mission, but a private one. Upon completing this mission, she fell silent. The completion of her mission is very beautiful. It shows how different devotions develop within the church and how providence raises a person in an orderly manner to follow a particular vocation. One receives a task while someone else has another. Our Lady distributes these tasks in such a way that those called do not get involved in something outside of their callings. Everyone is entirely devoted to the task to which he or she has been called. So we have St. Bernadette Subiru, called to be a living testimony of the miracle of Lourdes. There is one detail of her mission that we might highlight. Our Lady communicated a secret to St. Bernadette at Lourdes. This secret was to come to the knowledge of Pope Pius IX. From the 19th century to the present, Our Lady gave a series of secrets at her apparitions. She reveals something but wants it to remain hidden. At La Salette, Lourdes, and Fatima, Our Lady reveals a secret. Our Lady of Lourdes heals people. Which is more difficult, to heal the body or the soul? Neither one is difficult for the Queen of Heaven and Earth. She obtains whatever she asks for. If she obtains so many bodily cures, let us ask her to heal our souls as well. Let us ask her to change our souls so that our hidden wounds, defects, and disorders, often unknown to us, may wonderfully cease to exist by her action. We know that the diseases of the gospel are symbols of moral diseases. 
Our Lord healed the blind, but can also heal the spiritually blind. He healed paralytics, but can also cure spiritual paralysis. The commentators tell us that the physical healings he operated were meant to attest to his power to work moral healings as well. Let us then ask Our Lady to heal our moral diseases. Some of us may be morally blind, others deaf, others dumb, others paralyzed. Alas, who knows if any of these ills makes us worse off than a leper or an epileptic with seizures. All these illnesses symbolize spiritual states. Let us ask Our Lady to heal us from all this and give us the grace to approach her with a truly renewed soul. That is what we must ask. End of Two French Saints, a pair of meditations by Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira. Thank you so much for listening. For additional articles, please visit our websites at www.tfp.org and www.returntoorder.org. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service from which you acquired it. In that way, you can help Return to Order be more effective. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2020 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.